0: I'm going to talk mainly about social justice today, and, and the talk is called God Loves All People and Animals, because there's this bit about animals in there, which is, is fascinating. Um, but first of all, I want to talk about dating, and next week we're going to talk more about dating, um, but this is just something from my story. Um, you guys know by now that I'm in touch with my feelings, I like talking about feelings, um, you know, I was saying before that my, uh, my movie of the summer after Star Wars is Little Women and everyone else said, we don't even know what that is. So, um, you know, I'm a romantic guy. But the downside of that, apart from liking weird movies, is that before I was married, back when I was single and younger, I was pretty desperate, if we're honest. Um, a bit of a kino. I really, I really desired a girlfriend. And that's okay. You're allowed to. Um, but sometimes it, it got a bit far. I was, I was. It was my main hope and goal in all of life. Um, but I grew out of, I grew out of being desperate, um, which was actually quite freeing. And, and we might, we might touch on that next week a bit. But back when I was desperate, um, I would, I would sometimes think, I think about God, and I'd go, God loves me, and that's, that's enough, and that's amazing, and that's immense. And God actually loves me more than any woman or human could could ever love me. But. But, God, you love everyone. God, of course you love me. You love everyone. I want someone who just loves me and hates everyone. Maybe not hates, but. That's what I sometimes, like, in, in my prayers, I'd be like, God, I want someone who just loves me. You love everyone. It's easy for you to love me. I want someone who just loves me. And I think this is a, this is a common feeling. I talk to people and, and I think this feeling isn't just me. That, that for some reason, as humans, we can feel like God's love is less special because God loves everyone. And I think this is a product of our individualistic culture, that we want something just for us. And maybe God didn't make life that way. I also wonder though if it's part of our picture of God or our idea of God, who we think God is, is actually too small. That as we've been saying all through this um, series on Jonah, God is bigger than we think. Maybe we can't wrap our heads around his bigness and his goodness all at once. That his love is both universal and wide and yet his love is incomparably deep and intimate, that his love is for everyone, and yet his love goes way deeper than, than the love any lover could offer. You see God, God is love at sill at, Sil, at Jill and Simeon's wedding, um, is it Sill and, and Jill and Simeon's wedding um, they'll have a reading from 1 John 4 which says God is love. And God is community, His Father, Son and Spirit. He's three and his love, which means that love cannot just be linear. It can't just be one to one in a straight line. If God is three and God is love, love itself must be multifaceted, multidimensional, multidirectional. Love is communal. And we're made for community and at the same time made for intimacy. We're made for something expansive and we're also made for something deeply secure and special. And so the mystery of God's love and mercy, the mystery that we've been um, wrestling with in this this book and in this chapter today, is that God's love and mercy spans as wide as the world. It goes from, from Jonah in Jerusalem all the way, you know, running this way, that way, down ways. But it also goes to the sailors on the sea. It goes to Nineveh. God's love and mercy spans as wide as the world and yet his love and mercy is as deep as the ocean, as deep as the bottom of the belly of the fish. It goes to the most secret, intimate, deep places. That's the mystery because because so often we we want... to just grasp one or the other. That's all we can handle. But we must grasp both of these beautiful truths at once because otherwise, if we only grasp God's, the, the, the width, the vastness of, of God's love, if we only grasp that God loves everyone and we're really passionate about that, but we don't know the intimacy of that, we'll start going looking for love in other places. Or the, the other option is you're so assured of God's love for you, but you end up hard-hearted against the rest of the world. Because like Jonah, we end up with a selfish faith in a God who loves all people. He's bigger than we think. He loves all people and even the animals. So fascinating. That animal that animal verse at the very end Um It surprises me. but God's full of surprises. All right. Chapter 3, so just before our chapter um, today, chapter 3, verse 10, just have a look at that one because that's important context. It says, When God saw what they, that's the Ninevites, did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God's mercy meant that he chose not to judge the city of Nineveh because they turned from their evil. And this is, this is meant to be good news. You know, there's no more evil in Nineveh. That's great for the city. Uh, there's no plan to overthrow the city. That's from God's end. That's great news as well. Everyone wins. But, but to Jonah, chapter 4, verse 1, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong and he became angry. To Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. You know, it's easy to agree with God. When you agree with God, life is is a dream. You're like, I'm on the same page. I'm like, hey God, you know, you like Justin Bieber. I like Justin Bieber. That's great. He's like, I made Justin Bieber. I'm like, God, I just love coffee. God's like, yep, made those beans. You know, where'd you drink your coffee from this morning? Columbia. Love that place. I made it. I'm like, God, I love the Word. He's like, I wrote it. I'm like, Jesus, I love you. He's like, I am Jesus. It's easy to agree with God. But when God says that the thing you thought was good, the thing that you desired, the relationship or the the job or the course or the outcome, whatever the outcome is, when God says, the thing you thought was good is actually not my will. That the thing you wanted to see happen, I desire something different. That is hard. And so to Jonah, this seemed very wrong because Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. And Jonah gets angry. He he prays to the Lord and he says, God, I knew this would happen. I knew it, God. I, this is why I ran away. This is exactly what I didn't want to happen. I tried to avoid this, God. I knew this would happen. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. I don't know how he can say those beautiful words in anger, but he said, God, I knew you would do this. This is too much. Kill me now. Let me die. What Jonah's doing is he's quoting, he's quoting directly from Exodus 34. We looked at this in MSG just the other night. In Exodus 34, the Lord came down to Moses. He came down. He stood there with Moses. His presence passed in front of him and proclaimed his name, saying, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. He does not live the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and theirs for the the sin of the parents of the third and the fourth. Now, scholars say that this is the most referenced Bible verse by the Bible. Not in like the cross references, like a, a quotation mark, but but this is scattered all throughout the Bible because this is who God is. And that there are just references again and again in the Psalms, in the prophets, in the New Testament to these these words because this is who God is. And Jonah knows that this is who God is. But in his heart, he doesn't agree with who God is because he wants God his way. He wants God on his terms. You know, God showed grace to Jonah. Jonah was, was in the fish, he was in the ship, he was, he was stuffed. He was praying poetry. Remember at the end of his prayer poem, he said, I'm going to proclaim that salvation comes from the Lord. And yet when God shows grace and mercy to another, he says, kill me now, God. I can't take this. And so what God does is he teaches him a real-life object lesson. He says, Jonah, verse 4, Is it right for you to be angry? And then Jonah sets himself up outside the city to the east, around Box Hill. Maybe he's, maybe he's watching to see what's going to happen. Maybe he goes, I don't know, I reckon God maybe will destroy them. We don't know why exactly, but in God's grace, it's, it's very hot and God provides a beautiful big leafy plant for him to sit under. Now, I had a go at this this week. You know, I was reading about in this passage starting out. I said, I'm going to sit under a big leafy plant and see how good it is. And I, I did. I didn't do it on Thursday because if I did it on Thursday, it might have come down on me and killed me. But I sat under a, a big tree and had a great time. I was listening to, um, what was I listening to? Maybe Kanye's new album or... Um, this good, Cold Prey released a new album this week. It wasn't so good though. But um, I was sitting, sitting under the, the, the big leafy tree and I was like, this is great. I'm loving this. I did some reading. I looked at verse 6 and I went, Jonah, I know why it says Jonah was very happy about the plan. Because this is good. But verse 7 says, At dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered. God provided a plant and then God provided a worm. He always provides, but he provides for both our blessing and our growing. He gives and takes away, as the song says. Our Father is the gardener, as John fifteen says. He he prunes. He waters were both our blessing and our growing. And so God's teaching Jonah here in this lesson. He's pruning Jonah. He takes away the tree. And Jonah can't handle it. Jonah's like, God, again, just kill me now. I've had enough. It'd be better for me to die. This is too hot. I did not slip, slop, slap. I did not even have a hat. Didn't, Didn't pack the banana boat. I don't know if you know what it's like to get to Williamstown Beach and you haven't packed the banana boat. It's like, let's just go home. It would be better for me to die than to live, he says, again. And God says, Jonah, here's the lesson. Verse 9. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? The Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell with their right hand from their left and also many animals? And then the book ends. We don't know what Jonah does or says. We don't get any commentary about the animals. We might be able to work out that one thing Jonah does is he writes down his story. It was probably, or tells someone who wrote this down, like the intricacies and intimate details in this book means Jonah definitely had a had part to play in writing this story. But in the story ending there, what, what happens is it gives the opportunity for Jonah and for us, the reader, to write our ending, to live out our response. What God's saying here is he's saying, I am the boss. I am the provider. I am the designer. And I love all people. I even love many animals. I made them. These people are my children. I made humans in my image. And and Nineveh, even though it's wicked, even though it's evil, even though they've rebelled, there are 120,000 plus people in Nineveh and I made them and I love." them. See, God loved Nineveh because God loves people, and the problem is we don't all love people or love all people like God. We, at least me, if I'm honest, don't love all the animals. Now I'm getting better with the animals. Sometimes I pat our neighbor's dog. I've learned that you do this, and then the do- the dog won't bite you. Apparently, I still sometimes think it might, but you do that, and then the dog will like sniff you, and then I pat. To the neighbor's dog sometimes, so I'm, I'm getting better. But God loves all people. And as the prophet Isaiah says, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. His love is greater than our love and his sense of justice is greater than our sense of justice. And we are called to reflect and to refract. Think of that Pink Floyd album cover, The Dark Side of the Moon, refracting the love of God. We're image bearers, we're demonstrators, we're ambassadors. We're to show who God is and how God loves to the rest of the world. And so we we must seek to give the love, to give the justice, to give the value and the dignity to all humans that God gives. To all humans. If we can only see God's love for ourselves and our own kin, then we've missed a huge portion of who God is. We must see other humans as God sees them. Of equal dignity. Of equal value and worthiness of God's love. Especially those who don't look like us or speak like us. Or behave like us. That's, That's when it's really hard. But we need to ask God to give us His eyes and His heart which is humbling, because, because this means we can't just look out for ourselves. We can't, we can't just look out for the people who we like. We have to be concerned with, with more than ourselves, with more than me, with justice, with social justice. That's, that's the justice and love and dignity of, of people in society, not just our friendship circle or our family. We have to look out for people beyond Christians. Beyond people who speak English or Cantonese or Mandarin. People who don't behave like us. Like this should shape how we pray, how we vote, how we spend, where we live. This should shape how we use our time, the goal of our work in the world like why we work what our vision of, of the good life is we 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 don't just pray for ourselves we don't just vote for our interests we don't we're not given the if you're given the privilege of of wealth that is not just for our own good our vision of the good life must not be built on others being pushed down so that we have a good life. You know, that includes the, the clothes we wear, the devices we use, our social status and social circles. If the clothes we wear that make us cool hurt other people, if the devices we use to, to have a good time oppress other people, if our social life is good because other people are lonely. That's, that's not God's way. God's love is, is political. The gospel affects the polis, the public, the people. It's not just personal salvation. It's, it's social as well. It affects society and systems. The early church used to say, Jesus is Lord... And what they meant by that was Caesar is not. That Jesus is Lord means Caesar is not Lord, that there's a different system, there's a different government happening. As we think about Christmas, we remember that Isaiah prophecy which says the government will be on his shoulders. His shalom, his justice and peace will reign both in our hearts but also in the world. And this is why Jesus says that it's harder for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to thread the eye of a needle. Because God's love for all is an equalizer. Jesus says the poor are blessed, the hurting are healed, the broken are made whole. And the wealthy, the well, the strong, the powerful, there's a cost. So be careful what you wish for. So, so how do we, how do we take a step to apply this? How do we, how do we take God's love for all people and the implication that means for 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 everyone's dignity and value? God's love for all, God's love for cities. How do we take that and, and what do we do with that? There are so many ways. It it can feel like there's just too many ways. There's too many options. There's so many different things that we can do. And there are. Like you could pray for people that you don't usually pray for, pray for people in parts of the world you don't think about. You could pray for your enemies. You could um, do some things to serve people that you wouldn't usually serve. You could, you could invite people to church that, that normally wouldn't fit in here or invite, invite people to like your Christmas um, family meal, if that's okay with your parents. Or invite for Chinese New Year, if that's okay with your parents, who you wouldn't normally like, like hospitality, becoming friends with people who aren't the cool ones, who are lonely, who don't make your life sort of just a party, but actually maybe it's hard. There's so many things we can do, and and when when Matt from um, from UNO you know comes in a couple of weeks, he's going to help us imagine about what it means to to love people who. Um, who are broken and hurting and marginalised. But all of this stuff starts and ends with the heart. And actions are essential, but actions are the overflow of a heart that's that's after God's heart. And God's heart is for all people. You know, faith without deeds is dead, it says that in James, but deeds without, without faith die fast. Deeds without... God's heart fueling the fire of your heart, you you burn out. It says Jonah knew that the Lord was compassionate and gracious. Jonah knew who God was, but his heart hadn't been transformed. And so God being God seemed very wrong to him. he didn't actually value what god valued he didn't he didn't love what god loved and i get why he didn't like to jonah to love what god loved to love the people of nineveh would have taken so much death to self so much humbling he'd have to let go of his preferences his pride his his pain like he'd been hurt by nineveh but the way of the cross is exactly that. that the, the better Jonah, the the one who was in the belly of death for three days and three nights for the sake of the world, the, the way of Jesus is surrender. And, and when we die to our own preferences, our agendas, our desires, and we, we, when we allow God's heart to actually become our heart, when we allow God's desires to... To become our dominant desires. When we allow His way to become, to define our way of life, that is the most beautiful life that one can live. That's why Jesus says, Come follow me. Lose your life and you'll find it. Let's pray. It's like a benediction prayer I've, I've written. May God's character, may who God is, the magnitude of his love, may the depth and width of his grace and mercy not just be something you know, but something that grips your heart, transforms your soul, shapes your desires and changes your life for the sake of the world.